This episode of the Porter Notes podcast is sponsored by Sheila Trago Baby Quip. Leave the bulky baby gear at home. Traveling with a baby means packing a lot of stuff. Now, instead of lugging everything from home, you can rent clean and safe baby gear essentials at your destination and have them delivered before you arrive. If you're planning to travel to the southwest Florida area, go to babyquip.com slash Sheila473, that is S-H-I-E-L-A-473, and Sheila Trego will be able to provide you with the baby gear you need. Not traveling, but instead expecting a house full? No worries. We've got you covered. Choose from cribs, car seats, strollers, toys, and so much more. Proudly serving Collier and Lee counties. Go to babyquip.com slash Sheila473 to find out more. Babyquip.com slash S-H-I-E-L-A-473. Do you know about Zaya? Zaya Active is an active lifestyle brand. It is also a culture that believes in embracing activity with excitement, vigor, and delight. Zaya feels that pushing your body and mind is easier and more fun with friends and family. Their mission is to inspire and uplift by making activity a fun and essential part of life. Contact Alicia Birch, Zaya Independent Representative, to book a product party, purchase individual items, or inquire about becoming an independent representative yourself. Alicia Birch, Zaya Independent Representative, is on Facebook. Look for the group Leisha in Leggings, Zaya Activewear. We'll have a link in the description of this episode. All right. Summer's here, everybody. Summer. Yes. Okay, let's get started. Hey everybody, this is Alex and this is the Porter Notes Podcast. Uh, if this is your first episode, welcome. We gain new listeners every month and I don't always say this, so please enjoy yourself while you're here. There's usually something for everyone. We've got quite a backlog of episodes and various topics for you to discover. Today is a conversation with Annie Brooke. Educator, self-described geeky therapist, somatic psychotherapist who shares tools that heal. It's a fun conversation. Uh, We discuss applied neuroplasticity, precognitive trauma, cellular experiences, uh, implicit and explicit memories. (laughs) I know, fun topics, but really, you'll, you'll enjoy it. Annie is the founder of the Brook Institute. There are pertinent links mentioned in the episode and you'll find those in the show notes uh, and on our Facebook page. After the interview is a wrap up with Lori and I and we discuss a little bit that we're, we're going to be a little bit more vibrant on the Facebook page. Our website porternotes.com is pretty much a, a launching page to go to the different things that we do almost like a business card really or a brochure but we're going to start getting a little bit more involved 
in terms of our Facebook page and some of the things that we talk about photos of of things that we've done or or things that are important in the episode we're really going to start pushing that a little bit more on the social media so you can always go to the Instagram page it's a little bit more of a personal page for me but I also promote the podcast on there so Porter Notes Podcast is my Instagram handle and there's all kinds of cool stuff there so check that out from our website porternotes.com you can check out music you can check out Lori's Wisco Veggie Foodie page it's all kinds of of cool things there to explore and as always you can contact us via the website the Facebook page or straight up email porternotes at gmail.com I'd love to have a discussion with you about any of the episodes past present future Go ahead and send me an email. That would be great. I do want to mention the Florida Rhythm Kings, my little blues rock power trio. It's going to be at the Blue Monkey July 2nd and July 23rd. So we're really hitting the streets running here with this. So please come and check us out. If you are in the Naples, Florida area, the Blue Monkey, it is on Collier not too far from Immokalee on actually Mission Hill is the name of the cross street. Anybody familiar with the northeast end of Naples, you know where the Blue Monkey is. It's a cool place. And they have music there on Friday and Saturday nights. They do open mic and they also have trivia and a few other events throughout the week. So definitely check the place out. They have great food and usually on Saturday they have some sort of dinner special and drink special and you definitely want to take advantage of that. Just a little personal thing here. I don't know if it's just me. Maybe it's the prices of things, people are really coming down on, on the economy, and I, I don't know if it's because people aren't traveling as much as they, they should. It's, it is healthy for you to get out and have a vacation. I, I'm, I'm not sure what it all is, but lots of people are in, in kind, of, kind of a bad mood lately, and I would say that would be the case with me too. I've I've been in a uh I've been cranky. And of course, you, dear listener, you don't know how cranky I've been because I I keep that a secret. <laughs> I only use that on the people here whom I love very much. But just the same, uh, I I don't know. They they say it takes, you know, five good experiences to counteract one negative one and the move was a good one. Being down here is wonderful. I am so much in love with this area, and I am so happy that we did it. But of course you encounter some negativity once in a while. And you know, I'm trying to stack up all the good things, too, so that that wipes those out. And I've, what I've learned to do is I'm kind of granting myself some compassion. And that's a little bit different than self-pity. It's a little bit different than, than wallowing in things. And, you know, it's interesting because I don't think that we do that for ourselves enough. I don't think that we are compassionate with ourselves enough. I had a thing up on social media a couple of years ago, which I mentioned, you know, imagine that you're sitting across from yourself, your 10-year-old self, and how would you talk to that child? Would you talk to that child the same way that you talk to yourself? And I think that that doesn't just apply to childhood. That applies to now. Of course, all there is is now, right? So past is past. Future is not real yet. 
we should do that for ourselves now the same way that you would talk to a family member or a loved one or a child you should talk to yourself that way let yourself know it's it's okay to feel down or it's okay to feel scared things are going to get better usually you have the knowledge that you can bestow upon younger generations or if you could possibly your younger self right but since we're not in that dimension yet we can only comfort ourselves as who we are right now we should do that we should do that more often hard on ourselves and we don't need to be anyway yeah I've been trying that I've been trying to do that I've been trying to be more compassionate with myself and I think that we might be getting somewhere we meaning me my ego my brain my mind all of us <laughs> I'm hoping that I'm getting somewhere anyway and medication helps too don't be afraid to do that don't be afraid to speak to somebody who might be able to help you out because when you're well, then your wellness affects the people who are around you. Just like when you're unwell, your unwellness affects the people who are around you. So you want them to be happy and you want them to be healthy. So if you want the people who you love to be happy and healthy, then you need to be happy and healthy and do what it takes to make that happen. Okay, that soapbox I've stepped off of and I'm going to now parlay this over to the interview with Annie Brooke of the Brooke Institute. Don't forget after this, like many of our other episodes, there's a wrap-up between Lori and I. We talk about a lot of different things in our wrap-up and that's always a lot of fun too. Again, if you have any questions or comments about the podcast, about the content, or any suggestion for future episodes, or if you want to be a sponsor, man, we could use those. I keep saying it. And I know that there are people out there listening, and I know I know the numbers are there. If you need to get your name out there to people, get your business, get your idea out there to people, become a sponsor of the Porter Notes podcast. Just go to our site, porternotes.com, click on the link that says Sponsor. That is a page with detailed information on how you can be a sponsor of our podcast. We definitely could use it. We don't need it yet, but it's getting close. There's a lot of things that we would love to be able to do with this show, and it would be helpful if we had some sort of financial input. <laughs> so, okay. Here we go with the interview, Annie Brook of the Brook Institute. I'm at my home office, and uh, these are my books that I that share the tools. My passion is really how do we stabilize and organize our inner being so mm -hmm. our soul shines through. Hmm. And, and I don't mean that in a woo-woo way at all. Oh, no, I, 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 I get where you're coming from. What I like about science is oftentimes the most elementary explanation is the correct one or the best one uh -huh. and you like to take things back to as far back as as possible i'm precognition you if somebody is experiencing something in their adult life they have some sort of stumbling block or they have some sort of reaction adverse reaction and 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 you know big small whatever that is 
there's probably a reason that they don't know about. Yes. And you like to, mm-hmm. to travel with them as far back as, as, as you can comfortably to find that, that little seed, maybe. Yeah, that's a great way to say it. Thank you. It, it, yeah, it, it really, really is. You know, nobody is broken or stupid, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's some reason, and it's um, precognitive, is is territory that's not often addressed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i do like to go back there be especially with adults with children uh because i think it holds it's all a matrix Mm -hmm. and people you know if we think of our biology is to survive Mm -hmm. and so whatever is happening that seems overwhelming to our infant self our biology is going to kick in and hook up to our emotions and make up identity beliefs Hmm. and make up views of the world that are based on a moment in time when you were incredibly vulnerable. Sure, sure. Yeah, and so I see that going back to that level produces phenomenal relief for people. Hmm. Things they have tried to get through, they have struggled with, and we sort of tease apart the constriction of self mm-hmm. is a way to say it. We tease apart that constriction of self. And, you know, you have to meet people where they are. So it's just like being a little, you know, I invite people to put on your inner detective hat with me. Hmm. And we're going to travel this territory together mm-hmm. because it is, um, you know, when you feel it's the right time to share the, the whole neuroscience of it totally makes sense on an anatomical body level. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I've been reading this big fat book. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I forget, I'm forgetting the title, but it has a forward by the Dalai Lama and mm-hmm. a forward by the Pope. Okay. That's a good combo. Yeah. It right? covers a lot of bases there. Because there's a lot of bases and it's a, a kind of metaphysical scientist but where I got interested is he's he's looking literally at the structures of the brain mm-hmm. and how they organize and also open us to sort of mystic experience. Hmm. And to me, the mystic is valuable only if it informs your life. Interesting. Not as a place to escape. Interesting. Yeah, but a place where your soul in a way shines through in a grounded real life practical way as a dad as a mom as a teacher as a human being and and that's what to me is the 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 fun of blending neuroscience um, brain states that actually could get created in infancy and providing a, a pathway through that let's talk about your passion for this study did you start doing detective work? Maybe pick a, a jumping in point and then realize, oh no, we have to go further. We have to go deeper. What happened for me, uh, this has been, you know, I had a lot of trauma in my early 20s. Okay. I had, um, you know, dropped out of college. I had found a partner. We had got land in Maine and built a, a log house and started a water powered furniture business. Okay. So big dreams, right? Mm-hmm. And and in nature and um, learning so much about pioneering, 
And then under the stress of the business, my partner started drinking. Mm -hmm. So for the first time in my life, I didn't know what to do. Hmm. I, I, I was losing his connection and we were isolated, you know, it was mm -hmm. a pretty rural area. And so I watched myself shut down hmm. and I watched myself almost start drinking and becoming an alcoholic. Hmm. And I was like, Whoa, I remember my grandma had a recipe for Kahlua and I was starting to have a Kahlua and milk. You know, I'd, I'd be in my home making my pottery cause mm -hmm. that was my business. And all of a sudden I was drinking two of these Kahluas and milk a day. And I was like, whoa, that's actually not okay. It's so good. It's so yummy, right? But then I uh, I had this moment where I could feel the black hole of alcoholism hmm. right there. And I went outside and I dumped the Kahlua in the yard and I just stopped. Hmm. But then I had to deal with the reality of the stress. Mm -hmm you know, and, and so I went to visit my parents. I was only like 20, 21 or two or something at that time, mm -hmm. went to visit my parents. And while I was there, I got a phone call that the house had burned down. Oh no. And you know, so all this young dreams of life mm -hmm. that you think are just going to work out and they don't. Mm -hmm. And the, the tragedy of that and the heartbreak and the, anguish and the worry that set in mm -hmm. as I got to have all of that in one huge download dump, you know, and many people go through stress and my mm, gosh, compassion for every person's individual journey. So for me, that was my, you know, I, I got a job on a fishing boat to earn money and um, cause we lost everything. And then I, on that fishing boat, I, I had a, like a near-death experience hmm. and that gave me the sense of, oh, there's something bigger mm -hmm. because in that near-death experience, I felt held in love. I didn't really worry if I would survive or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's kind of amazing to be that relaxed, you know, instead of desperately trying to, <gasps> and it was because of this neuroscience I'm studying now, mm -hmm. who would have guessed, right? Mm -hmm. But now I'm watching, learning the neuroscience about what happened to me. Hmm. Because instead of getting terrified and fearing death, I just let go. Hmm. And it felt like I was in the air watching my body. And what I knew is all there is is love. So my whole being was oriented to love. And I didn't care if I survived or not. It was like, if, if I survive, I'll go back into my body. And, you know, and of course my body spiraled through the air, which if I had fallen straight down, I would have landed on a, re a tank with rebar welded on the top of it. Luckily I spiraled sideways just enough to land on an old tire hmm. on this fishing boat. It was like a 17 foot fall. And all of a sudden I was back in my body. And in that instant, I kind of made a vow like, I want to feel that much love from inside my body. Hmm. And I want to understand what this love is all about. You know, what mm -hmm. is this there's something about spirit I don't know anything about? So somehow that vow, within a month, I was 
had left Maine, had left, you know, Cape Cod fishing boats and, and uh, was in California learnt, studying at a meditation center. Mm-hmm. And, it, and what that gave me is the body tools, because I was kind of a mess. Mm-hmm. You know, in that transition, I, I had actually stopped again off at my parents' house. I was in my still early 20s. And a sister was getting married, so I stopped off there and tried to get a job and all that. And I couldn't keep a conversation. I had so much worry in my nervous system about what do I do? We have we had built a second house, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was still invested in this whole project. But I didn't want to be with someone who was an alcoholic. I had so much stress in my life. Sure from losing my animals and this, the tragic loss of a huge shock like that. And so I wasn't very able to stabilize. I would get a job and I would last for two days. I get another job, I couldn't hold a conversation. And so finally I just realized, oh, and I had a sister out in California. She came home for the wedding. She goes, you need to get your head on straight. Mm-hmm. And so I went to California with all I, my only possession at this point was a teeny tiny little suitcase because everything had burned up in the fire. And there I was getting tools that were based in Sufi spiritual practice. And they were tools of how you focus your attention over and over again. Instead of my attention being focused on worry, 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 mm-hmm. and fear, 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 all of a sudden, they were teaching us skills to put your attention in your shoulder, then then move it to the other shoulder, then put it in your kneecap, then put it in your ankle. Mm-hmm. It sounds weird, but I was learning to shift my attention away from fixated worry. And that's what I think so many people struggle is we get into a, a habit based often on early childhood or even infant birth trauma where the brain has a neural network it's created of survival projection responses protective responses so i was interrupting all that so you're in your early 20s you and your partner have this dream uh it's slowly or rapidly i'm not sure erodes away you actually experience not only the loss of your possessions nearly all of them it sounds like and and some some uh beloved uh, animals and pets and, and, you know, pets are family members uh, to the point of where you're on the fishing boat and you have this near-death experience. What are we talking about in terms of, of time there? A matter of weeks, months, within the same year? We're, we're talking about, let's say, uh, the house burned down in March. Mm-hmm. We lived in a 12-foot trailer, freezing cold in Maine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then we moved into a storefront because it was too cold. By May, we had decided we needed to build another house. Mm -hmm. So that whole summer was spent literally just, you know, boots to the ground, building this house. And then it was constructed, the shell of it. And I was inside going, well, I don't have my pottery. I'm where I was three years ago. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like that. And so I thought I got offered a job on a fishing boat off Cape Cod because neighbors knew I needed money. And so I took the job. So this was in the in the course of a year, really. By by September, I was working on this fishing boat. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Interesting. So within that year, within that year, you've learned the answer to, well, what's the worst that could happen, right? I mean, it just kept compounding. It totally did. It was like all the losses you could imagine in your early 20s of your dreams, of your hopes, Mm -hmm. of your beloved animals, of your partner who disappeared into alcohol Mm -hmm. and your, your vision for your future life, all of that. And so once you had this near-death experience and once you experienced for yourself this this maybe enveloping this 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 love this all-encompassing love it sounds to me as though that gave you the strength to realize that that you can do more for yourself would you say that's true uh i think it pro i didn't know if i would have known it was strength at the time Mm -hmm. because i I had that experience. That was in December. I went to Florida, lived there, couldn't hold a job, mm-hmm. you know, stayed at my parents' house. And really, I didn't know the word at the time, but I was decompensating from all the stress. Sure, sure. And so during that like couple months of decompensating, and my parents were getting really worried because I was like, you know, not that functional. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would get up, I would get out of bed, but, you know, what am I doing? I was worried. I was so worried. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I had a caring family, and, and my sister came home from California from this school, and she took one look at me, and she goes, you got to get out of here. <laughs> right? So now I'm in fe- February. It's been a year. Okay. Almost. Wow, what a year. What a year. Oh, my gosh, right? Who thinks you're <laughs> ever going to make it? Yeah. And I thought, oh, I need to go back to school. So I was either going to go back to school or I was going to go to this meditation place in Mm -hmm. California. Mm -hmm. And luckily, I went to California. Yeah. Because that meditation started unwrapping. And it took me, you know, it was a six-month training program. And I went there every day, you know, sometimes twice a day mm-hmm. because I could feel, oh my gosh, this is helping me. Mm-hmm. I'm recovering my sense of spirit, my physicality. And in addition, I wasn't just doing that. You know, I, I got a job at a fruit stand to make some money working at a fruit stand and I would go to this school in the afternoon. Then I got stable doing this meditative work that I got a job at, at a daycare. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So now I have a steady job, not just the fruit stand. Right. You know, I found a place to live and shared housing and had enough money to barely squeak by. Mm-hmm. And then I, I kept finding the healing tools. So in addition to the meditation work, which, which, which is body-based meditation, I joined a four-year training program called Healing Ourselves. Okay. And I I think that was the impetus for me to write my books for sharing the tools that heal. Hmm. Because I realized in this training program, we were doing emotional release body work. Mm -hmm. We were doing group process where people, you know, you would be in a group setting and people would work out conflicts with each other or we would do what's called mat work. And this is out of Wilhelm Reich's, um, he was a protege of Freud, and Reich said, you can't just do the head, you gotta do the whole body. Mm -hmm. Reich would have people lie down and breathe. 
So they build up a charge and then you, he developed an understanding of what he called muscle armory. Mm -hmm. So we armor across our visual segment. We armor across our throat segment, across our chest area, across our belly and pelvis. And then we have our limbs. And he basically, you know, picked five patterns he saw consistently and created a framework. And for me, my armoring was that if energy came toward me, I would just fragment and disappear. Hmm. Right? Some people, energy comes towards them, they dig their heels in. Mm -hmm. Some people, energy comes towards them, they go up in their head and they blame everybody. Hmm. Right? Some people, energy comes towards them and they become... De- so dependent they just want you to fix everything for them mm, okay and the last when energy comes towards you and you fight <laughs> you push it away and so you know i didn't know all the theory that i know now of how all this works i was just deep in the experience of healing myself mm-hmm. and so i would go through these breath sessions and someone would use you know massage on the deep tension muscles Mm -hmm. and I would feel energy back in my body because I had numbed out under all the stress I had gone numb Mm. and so it was like oh I'm waking up again my sort of creative self is returning and so through that you know that that sort of three four years of immersion Mm -hmm. because I had made that vow I want to understand this stuff And so now here I was deep in it. And so I was working with the emotional, relational, um, and we use bioenergetics as well. Those are, that's a body form of working with muscular tension. Mm -hmm. It was deep in the body centered therapy. All of a sudden, you know, I had the meditative work. I had the body centered emotional therapy. And then I got interested in improvisation. And so I started studying movement repatterning mm-hmm. because my body was not that, you know, it was all, like I said, numb or stressed. And so I was learning how to feel again mm-hmm. and to listen to an inner voice that was connected to spirit. And I was learning how to, whoa, let the emotions out and learn how to stay present. So I wasn't just a numb, you know, sheet of, of uh, stress. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I was dropped into by spirit almost and choice. You know, I have to take credit. My sister got me out there. I mm-hmm. give her credit and credit to all the teachers and the teachings because it's hard work to heal. You have to want to. But I realized, you know, oh, here out in Maine, I thought I had all the dreams I would ever want, and it all fell apart. Mm-hmm. So am I going to give up on life? No. I felt like it from sometimes for sure. But I just, you know, I couldn't let go of that knowing that there's love and there's spirit. And so then I found myself immersed in all of these tools, which were incredible. And so I went and created a bachelor's degree in somatic psychology from Antioch University. And I was started teaching at the clairvoyant school and I opened a therapy practice and I volunteered at children's hospital to work with the traumatized kiddos 
and apply these tools for myself and in my work. Mm -hmm. So it was like an incredible education. Sure. You know, experiential education. And that's one of my deep beliefs is you can't feel something until you can feel it. Mm -hmm. If it's just an idea, that's all it is. Or just a wish or a hope or a spiritual bypass. No, thank you. So that got me started. Let's say that. So does does the Annie does the the post uh, California Annie let's just say that does the post California Annie look back at the younger twenty year old Maine Annie? What's the emotion that you have for that Annie looking back at her? Complete compassion. Hmm. Like oh my gosh, you tried so hard, you know, and then. In California is where I started. I read Chilton Pierce's book, The Magical Child. Mm -hmm. And he talked about how babies arrive and they're greeted by their mama and, you know, this love exchange. And that's when I first started realizing I didn't feel that. Mm. I knew I was loved by my mom. But then the story was I was in an incubator. Mm -hmm. I was premature, I was in an incubator, my mom didn't touch me for 17 days, she wasn't even allowed in the room, and I got pissed, I was so mad. Like, what, that happened to me, I didn't, you know, and I could feel, mm -hmm. and I just let, because I had these body tools, I started working with that experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that was, a, that was the beginning of like a 20 year path of getting all the way back to my own precognitive memories, my own inner terror, because being in an incubator to me was a terrifying experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then the, the not being with the mother or the father post-birth is also a terrifying experience. Absolutely. So I had to work through all that stuff and also learn how it would show up in my adult life in my attempts at, uh, you know, partnership and intimate relationship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So as I moved away from California in my early 30s, I moved up to the, to the Northwest. I lived up there and I worked with sexually abused foster kids and I worked with, you know, gang youth and um, tried another relationship and that person had an affair. So I got a job on a fishing boat in Alaska to pay for graduate school. You know, life will keep going to get you to learn your lessons. What made you decide that the fishing boat, that the fishing boat is a viable option? That is a hard. <laughs> well, you know what? I think I was I was curious about that too. I think what happened is in my childhood, I grew up on a canal in South Florida, okay. and my mom got my two sisters and I toolboxes. And we were allowed to run around, you know, in the old neighborhood where they were building homes and get scraps of lumber. And so I built a fishing boat okay. when I was about, you know, eight or nine. And I had this little fishing boat that I could put in the canal and pull on a string. You know, I'd sit on the dock and put my, push my boat out and hold on to it. And I made the back part of the boat had screen on it. Mm-hmm. So I literally would catch with my little dip net shrimp and little fish, and I'd put them in the hold of my fishing boat, this little square wood boat I built. And so I think somehow my childhood 
you know, experience of the magic of being on the water. And I have no idea except for that. <laughs> well, <laughs> let me ask you this. And and based on based on some of the things that you've shared so far and, and just this little anecdote that you shared about the fishing boat, do you think that you are unique or perhaps uh, everybody is capable of doing this and we just don't know how? You are very lucid in your descriptions of your memories, young memories, very young memories. Now, more and more people, I don't know if it's because they, they're just so preoccupied with the now and that they just start losing memories or they, they're not aware that they're, that they're still storing them. They just don't know the proper ways to access them. You know, something happened to me at three or I had this experience where I saw this beautiful thing when I was four. And then eventually you're only remembering the memory of that. And so it becomes less and less of an, an event. Is, is that something that you feel is unique to you, that you can honestly look back at some of these things now? And of course, I'm not talking about the precognitive state because you've worked for that. But some of these memories that you have of early childhood, do you feel that's unique to you? Or do you think that that's something that everybody could could strive towards or it's it's something that everybody could have? Those those of us who are like, gosh, I don't remember anything before I went to school, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And I would say that that's a faculty available to most people hmm. when they learn the tools. And part of it is we uh, deliberately forget stuff if it's uncomfortable. Interesting. Or it lodges as a huge red alarm bell. Hmm. It's because of the way the brain works. Mm-hmm. And so my journey myself was to get myself out of shock out of compensated relational patterns out of compensated self to self patterns and because i got i had you know i met bonnie bainbridge cohen in my mid-20s and she was this wisdom teacher about how you use the body through movement okay infant developmental movement so that was right up my alley and i read a manual i went and studied you know with her in my mid-20s and then it wasn't till my 30s that i could you know take the whole big training with her but i read a manual about how the last weeks six weeks in utero the baby is supposed to be condensed into a little baby ball okay they're growing they get bigger they can't move around, so everything curls in and it spring loads your function. And I realized I missed that whole last six weeks. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I, you did. Yeah, so I didn't have the spring load. And in my 20s in Berkeley, when I wanted to sort of be a, I thought, oh, I want to be a dancer. Mm-hmm. I love dance. All of a sudden, I was passionate about dance. I couldn't do what other people's bodies were doing. Literally, I had the disappointment of realizing the dance teacher is going forward and to the right. I'm watching her and I'm going backward and to the left. Hmm. Now that's weird and so frustrating. (laughs) I couldn't literally get my body to organize. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I went back and crawled. You know, when I started taking that four year training with Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen in my thirties, that was another immersion and it was life changing to give me access physically to what we would call cellular experience. Okay. 
You know, Bonnie was an out-of-the-box thinker. She was a former occupational therapist. She had studied lots of different, you know, yoga and uh, muscle healing and primitive reflexes. So she had the, the physical foundation to open gateways for self. Hmm. And so my work with the trauma kids and the sexually abused foster kids and the gang youth and my own work and my therapy work where I was treating people who would come to see me and we were finding they could access themselves. And that's what I love to share. It's a body, mind, spirit journey. Mm -hmm. There's tools out there. It's, it's a not fix me and I'm better thing. Mm -hmm. Like life is unfolding and your soul is going to give you a pathway. They don't, and your soul doesn't really care if you like it or not. Right. Right. It's about where do you need to grow? And ultimately I think, you know, I feel so this, this phase of my life now I am in grounded joy most of the time. Amazing. It is amazing. Like yesterday, my partner, Steve, and I were, you know, he had, someone had given him an old RV. Mm -hmm. And you know, so we go to pick up this funky old RV, and I have to teach a class in the middle of the day. And I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, we're, we're bringing it home. And it, it stalls out right at an intersection. And I'm in the Jeep following him. And what happens? You know, I'm on the phone calling tow trucks and... And this guy pulls over with a pickup truck and he just hooks it up and tows us to the frontage road by the freeway. And then we go in the Jeep and we go get transmission fluid. And we, and you know, it was such a fun day. <laughs> I mean, I could have got all bent out of shape and worried and everything else, but it was a beautiful day. You know, we were doing an adventure and it was funky as could be. And who cares? And when we got to the auto body shop, it was Father's Day, and there was a guy there, you know, behind the counter really helping us, and this young man, and I was watching them, and I got to talking with the young man, and he had come in to honor his father for Father's Day. Hmm. So I got to have this lovely conversation with this guy who loved his dad, told me all the things his dad had done for him. You know, we got to have this real personal conversation and have this honoring of the father, now, if I had been bent out of shape, none of that would have happened. <laughs> you certainly wouldn't have been approachable, I'm sure. And Exactly, right? And I wouldn't have been in the wide curiosity of, hey, this is a moment in time. What's happening now? <laughs> and I think our mental body tries to fix everything. Or our emotional body gets reactive. And when people learn, can learn the, the, the real, these are skill sets. This is not woo-woo, but the skill sets of stabilizing yourself physically, stabilizing yourself mentally, and stabilizing yourself emotionally. I call it tuning your dial. Okay. And it's not something I've made up. It's, you know, practices in all healing traditions have these practices in some way, shape, or form. Like the Chinese call it cultivating chi. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a Toltec movement practice or qigong or, uh, you know, tai chi or um, yoga. 
Yoga means study. And so how to do things not as a form to try to become an image, right? The happy yogini, who wants to be that? But literally as tools to become more and more Mm self-aware. And I think that is what puts people in relationship with themselves again. And that's, you know, you are your best friend. There's nobody else who can do this inner work for you. But it demands, one, it demands the despair. You know, I went through that whole huge year of despair and loss. Mm -hmm. So you have to, like, get, you know, hit rock bottom sometimes. Hopefully not. But then you have to also be willing to meet the teachings. You know, have the courage to allow it. You gave two really good examples, too, of how, on a spiritual level, the um, the company you keep, more or less, or what you're attracted to in terms of positivity or negativity, even if it's not something that you're aware of. For example, when you had the partner in your 20s who was an alcoholic and, and had challenges and, and couldn't really focus on anything but, but their own desires, it sounds, you started to you started to 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 make a connection and an attraction towards that and then yeah. later as you began your spiritual journey and you started to um bloom <laughs> within yeah. yourself now at this point in your life you are able to project more of a positivity which just this example that you gave of the young man who opened up to you about his his father on Father's Day and honored his father with you, he reacted to that. Mm-hmm. And and as you said, if you walked into the situation with a dark cloud over your head, then that might not have happened. And other people, you know, you not only would have affected yourself and had maybe a really terrible day, the worst day of the month maybe even, but because of your approach to it, it turned into a really good experience. I love what you're saying. If there's one nugget for people is to know that you can do this in your life. How you organize yourself makes all the difference. And then, of course, you have to learn the tools that allow your own trauma to off gas. Mm-hmm. And this is the deep work. I developed a method I call applied neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. And it literally, you know, it's it's a science. It's a kinesthetic science. It has tools that address the body the relational self and the the field because what you're talking about is when i was at that auto parts shop i kind of had a field around an energetic field that this kid responded to mm-hmm. this this young man and i think when people can find that in themselves not make somebody a guru to fix them but but practice the tools and learn the tools then you're in charge. Right. You know, and that's empowering. You're not blaming everybody about your life because that's the what I call the power triangle <laughs> where victim, persecutor, how do you rescue yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, alcohol's rescue and being the victim to stress. 
and then you rescue yourself and then you persecute yourself by attacking your self-attack thinking. Mm-hmm. It can roll around internally. So I, I like to help people get off the power triangle with the world or your spouse or your kiddos mm-hmm. and then get off it with yourself. And then learn how to, you know, the simplest thing to do is to just pause right when the, that reactive moment is pulling on you to slow down, to stop, to breathe, to look around and to reorient away from your reactive response. Now, this is not easy. I'm not, you know, looking <laughs> here, you just wave the magic wand, everybody. It doesn't work that way. Right. You, in order to build a new neural network, you have to put sticks in front of the worn out trails. You know, think of that. There are all these trails inside your brain that were developed way back even in infancy. Sometimes even during pregnancy around, are your needs going to get met? Are you going to survive? Are you going to survive in relationship? Are the people around you going to keep you safe? And when we've had infant experiences that were not safe, there's a part of self that stays young. Mm-hmm. It never grows up. You know, and then we default or in our childhood, we didn't feel safe. That part will stay young, you know, and it will take over our adult behavior mm. under stress. So part of, for me, the, the applied neuroplasticity and the healing journey is knowing you're going to go back and allow these, what I call the hidden story behind difficult behavior, that you're going to allow this hidden story to bubble to the surface and you're going to befriend it. You're not going to become it because that would re-traumatize you. Mm-hmm. You're going to have an adult self that befriends the body's willingness to tell the dang story and not hold on to it. And so that's that's inner stress relief. But it can feel like re-traumatizing if you're not careful with the right tools. And so what I say to people is you have to cognitively know that you're working with a shock pattern. Not just let it take over but your brain has to regulate and say oh this is my three-year-old shock or this is my moment you know where my dad screamed in my face and i froze when i was 10. and like you said and some people don't remember that Mm -hmm. and what i do is i teach them how to feel their body A, a lot of my work is educative You know, it's giving people like, oh, put your attention in your shoulder. What do you notice? Or it's primitive reflexes. When people are numb, I'll use infant developmental reflexes to help them wake up. And those are sensory motor. You know, like you touch a baby's palm, the baby closes their hand. Mm -hmm. You brush the back of the hand and they'll open their fingers. That's great for moms who babies pull on your earring. Don't, you know, try to pull your earring out from their closed grasp. They'll just close harder. But if you brush the back of their hand and wait a little bit, their hand will open. Hmm. These are the baby uh, alphabet of movement. And so learning all these incredible tools has allowed me to really help people through 
frozenness in their own body or you know i've been studying like the four i've kind of identified four types of dissociation and dissociation is a response to overwhelming stress Mm -hmm. and it means you escape yourself the body freezes and maybe you're you go up and you fragment and you get highly creative and some people live in that highly creative dissociated world it's so much fun (laughs) right but eventually you have to put a big hula hoop out at the edge of the universe and collect all the pieces Mm -hmm. and slow that you know rush endocrine rush down and you know get back in your body and inhabit the situation because it's a brilliant modality of survival if you're frozen more energy comes it's like throwing a rock at a mirror Mm -hmm. the mirror breaks into pieces and why that's so brilliant is maybe one piece will survive if you think of predator prey and you've got all these shiny creative pieces the predator won't know which one to chase. Right. And so people can, you know, escape into their creative self and spend, you know, hours at the coffee shop in fantasy creation and they haven't taken care of business. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also the other part of it, too, which is the the way that the human brain works in terms of, of survival in looking at all of the possible options to make sure that there's something out there that you know, this could be a harm, this could be a problem, this could be something that could really hinder things. And Mm -hmm. the downside to that is that there are a number of people who don't know how to take that first step because they're so busy concentrating on the bad things that could happen. Right. And that's what we call a hypervigilance towards danger. Mm -hmm. Now, the part of the brain that's awake prenatally that is is called the security chief. Its function is to scan for danger. And that's why I use the words, you know, for a prenate, will I survive? Is the world safe? Will I survive in relationship? And will you keep me safe? Mm-hmm. And that little amygdala is already recording danger. Even even though it doesn't have words to apply to it. It has no words. Mm-hmm. It has sensory, sen- you know, it has sensory input. Mm-hmm. And then it can make identi- identity beliefs. I had no idea until I was treating a four-year-old. No, she was a six-year-old who had been born premature, and we had been working with her mom. I always treat with the, the parents in the room. And we had been working together, and she was getting down into the memories of being in the incubator and how scary it was. As a, as a six-year-old, she was having meltdowns at school, or she was – self-attacking mm-hmm. you know always putting herself down or and then the mother was like wow we love this girl and she's you know and they you, they had brought in pictures where they were holding this beautiful little baby who had tubes up her nose mm. and you know and so that infant is getting love and terror at the same time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what she helped me learn it took me about a year to figure it out she brought in a card that she had made with without a request for it she brought in a card and on every page was a picture of a little incubator with a crying tears baby and on the bottom of each page it was i am so bad 
Next page. I am so, so bad. Next page. I am such a bad girl. Wow. Right? Family, your parents aren't yelling at her saying that. So where does this thing come from? And I realized it was a beautiful attempt at her nervous system to what we would say, organize chaos. Because the brain hates chaos. It wants to make sure you're in charge. Mm -hmm. So her brain organized the chaos of all this lack of contact, you know, at night she was all by herself in the incubator and everything. And, and when you blame yourself, you're doing two brilliant things. One, you're telling yourself you exist. The I of I'm a bad girl exists. Okay. At least I'm exist. Mm -hmm. And then, then the, the bad, you are bad, the pointing the finger is the place where the fight response is still alive because we need to fight to survive. A part of our nervous system is going to fight like mad to survive. So somehow her brain organized her fight response, kept it going and organized her locus of control into self attack thinking. And I, I was like, Oh, this makes sense according to the nervous system and the mm-hmm. primitive brain and all of that stuff. And I don't know how many of your listeners self-attack think, but I love keeping helping people stop doing that because I used to do it. You know, I was worried, 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 and always, why didn't I do something different or better or make a different choice, you know, when I was coming out of all that trauma? The worry kicked in, which was self-attack thinking. Sure, sure. Yeah. So isn't that fascinating? It is. It is. And and on top of all of the things that you experienced and, and in a different way, this this child has experienced. There's day to day stuff. Right. But in the background of all of these things, I'm hungry, I'm tired, my foot is sore, is this buzzing of worry, 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 worry all the time, taking up so much energy. Yeah. At yeah. the same time. And, yeah. And I felt my brain unravel when I was, you know, uh, trying to work through all that stress. I thought, wow, I can't hold a conversation or a job. I could become a bag lady right here. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, your mind that again. My worry, right? <laughs> right. Again, with that, that sense of survival, your mind is going through all of the worst case scenarios too. Yep. Yep. So the good news, I'll just kind of go to the good news here is this stuff does not have to plague you forever. Mm -hmm. When you learn the somatic body centered tools and I invite people to, you know, look at my YouTube channel or my Instagram. Instagram is just Annie Brooke therapy. There's lots of little bites of tools and tips and graphics because this stuff is complex, Mm -hmm. but I like to make it simple. And if you can pick up a little practice a day or interrupt your habit, because people are kind of living false selves. Mm. They're living their worry self. They're living their control and, you know, um, dominate other self. Mm-hmm. They're living their I'm a victim self. 
or I'm overwhelmed self. And sometimes literally I'll have people stand up and push against the wall. Hmm. So you can feel like you exist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, get underneath all that rapid brain firing and get back to the physical layer. And that helps people stabilize. Well, it's scary to go to go back to find those knots and untie those knots. Yeah. A lot of people don't want to do that. And then on top of that, there without a guide, you can go and find those knots and then realize that your reaction to them are exactly the same as what they were at the time and you're not doing anything to benefit yourself. Yeah, and that's what, you know, it, that's where self-help can get messy. Sure. You know, I think it's important to have a guide who does not your guru, mm-hmm. who know that your soul is your guide as well, but but that you actually get tools. And, and from my perspective, I'll say, you need to do physical, emotional, relational, and presence which you could call spirit you know but all those layers simultaneously and 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 if there's again the the quickest tool is slow down and stop in your tracks the second you feel yourself getting reactive stop in your tracks and for parents i want to you know have a, a free pdf library Mm-hmm. which has, you know, categories for parents or birth trauma or body therapists or just what I want. Um, there's there's a, a, a PDF called 123 Magic. And parents who don't know how to contain their kids can get exhausted, mm-hmm. you know. And then I live in an area where the parents are trying to be so nice and be their kid's best friend. And that creates a mess for a kid they want to be able to lean on you as a parent Mm -hmm. they want to know you love them but they if they i learned this from the sexually abused foster kids i was treating them so nice because they had such a bad life Mm -hmm. they then they started kicking me and spitting at me and i was trying to be nice to them it didn't work they didn't feel safe because i wasn't responding with a limit Mm. And so I did not invent one, two, three magic. It's Dr. Fallon's work. But as a therapist for over 40 years, I can tell you from all the parenting tools I studied, it's the it's highly effective. Hmm. And I've had parents turn their family life around in a few weeks. It's it's it, so I just say that just so readers can come on and just go to anniebrook.com, sign up for the free PDF library, and download one, two, three magic. And they'll go get those resources if you need them. They're for sale. His, his resources are for sale on Amazon. But kids need an adult. Mm-hmm. They need help. They need guidance. And it's the same for us in our own healing journey. We need our adult self to begin bringing in the tools. To be, begin putting on your detective hat. Begin enjoying life not escaping life because some people are on such a seeking path they forget to enjoy life and some people are so overworked and you know struggling they don't have any time for what i'm talking about you know they're just trying to keep food on the table well they're not aware of the fact that that they do have time 
Yeah, those seconds of stopping in your tracks, looking at your kid, making contact, will interrupt you screaming at them. You know, or the same with relationship, or the same with work, because all of life is relating Mm -hmm. to people. You know, people were our biggest asset and our biggest headache. And when you learn to stay relational with yourself, which means you go through the layers of numbness, of old stories, you bring it, you bring those sensations, how the body heals is these sensations literally have to bubble up because they're chemicals. The story contains the unprocessed emotions that are sitting in the synapses waiting to finish the story because the body shut down. It was like, no, that's too much. I can't deal with this. Mm -hmm. So now you say, well, I've got a lot more cells in my body now. I'm not an infant. I'm not a three-year-old. I'm not an eight-year-old. I'm not a teenager. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold it, and you allow those stories to come to the surface. And to, I'll tell you, these stories want to be heard. They want to be healed. They will start bubbling up once you know how to listen with those wide ears, mm-hmm. and you slow your brain down and you tell your brain, "Oh, this is my healing." And so you, then you feel the sensation. This is what I call staying on the surfboard. Hmm. Because as you get to the healing level, what's going to happen is the story's going to come up. And it's, it's uh, scientifically, it's called implicit memory. That's buried memory, buried cellular memory. Then it becomes explicit. You start, oh, having little memories. Mm-hmm. You start having understandings. You start, oh, what happened when I was, you know, seven there and, my parents got divorced. What did I do? You, and you start being curious. Then the sensations bubble up, which is very uncomfortable. And that's when most people go right back to their defense structures. Sure. But if you, if you can stay on the surfboard and be the adult, knowing you're surfing the wave of your body's shock healing, that wave will bubble up and pass. Every time you notice it passes and you feel integrated again, you've peeled off a layer of trauma. You, The adult self has gotten stronger. And the scared child looks now looking to you, the adult, to stay integrated and whole. It's a beautiful process. You know, I can't invite people enough to find your empowerment in this level. And find the love inside your family, inside your own heart, inside your relationships. And it's not just love, it's an empowered love. So you're not, you know, you're not, what do you call it? You're not abused Mm -hmm. by being so loving, you never set any limits. You're real. You end up real. Well, you have the benefit, too, of... of looking at that child as an adult and being able to tell that child, much like what I had mentioned earlier about you and what you would say to your 20-year-old Annie. Yeah. You have that ability now to be able to look back at that at that scared, injured child who experienced yeah. that trauma to be able to say, this is the result. So what you're afraid of at that point, mm-hmm. it's not invalid. Right. You can be yeah. scared and you should be scared, 
but mm-hmm. but it passes and these good things come in the future. Yes. What a gift you can give yourself. Yeah, that's what we want. We can we can sort of organize in a way to the light. Mm-hmm. To the well-being, not through escaping, but through having the grounded power to hold steady. This is talked about through prayer circles, you know, you mm-hmm. pray it's, it's how you orient your being. And so learning that orienting is what infants do. Mm-hmm. They're trying to orient to the mama. Mm-hmm. And when they're interrupted, they orient to the pain. Mm-hmm. Or if the mom is kind of dysfunctional, they orient to being dysfunctional. How do you apply this in terms of, of people who are parents now or people who are going to be parents because um, here's a metaphor for you I went to college I studied art and uh, in the drawing class the professor gave us a pencil that had no eraser and he said this is what you have I'm going to teach you how to hold the pencil there's no eraser now if you don't have an eraser you can sometimes be afraid to draw the first line if you have a parent or somebody who's going to be a parent how do you work with them in terms of like, now I'm afraid to do anything with my child? Yeah, it's so sad. And we have these hovering helicopter parents and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all of this. We have a society that's created a lot of fear and anxiety mm-hmm. and extra pressure about you have to be perfect and the world is unsafe. So one is for parents to know that they will fail. You know, you're going to you're going to do some good and you're going to have some struggles. You don't have to be the perfect parent. And some of it is your kids karma. They have their own soul path. Mm-hmm. They're you're their guide. And so to take off some of the perfection pressure is key. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes I'll help, you know, pregnant mamas work out their own birth trauma before they give birth. And that makes it a lot easier for it not to be generations of trauma. Interesting. So, so you're aware that there's the possibility of 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 some form of impact, but doing the best that you can to break the cycle. That's a great way to say it, you know, and not being afraid to live life hmm. in a way like you know. I wrote the book, The Developing Infant, because it gives parents guides for how to understand their baby's language during infancy. Mm -hmm. And then I wrote the book, Help for Sensory Challenges, to help parents who have these kids who are off the walls. Mm. You know, so why why I'm saying this is parents need tools. Yes. They need practical tools. I know I wrote another one called Awakening the Creative Mind. Mm. And that's the improvisational self. I'm teaching a class online right now about how to play. It's called three days of play. Hmm. And the parents that I see who don't know how to play miss out, hmm. you know, and it doesn't mean play like escape, mm-hmm. but it's real engagement, understanding a child's level of development, the developmental arc. So parents need support and tools. And that's what I love sharing. But, but, you know, I loved your pencil metaphor. It's like, you got to draw you got to, you know, mm-hmm. learn, learn from your experiences. And if you find yourself reliving your own 
child trauma as you parent, get help. You know, that's the key part. Andy, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. This has been absolutely enlightening to me, and I'm hoping that it it will be the same for some of my listeners. It's been a great hour. It has been. Thank you so much. And I actually have to scoot off because I'm going to go teach my play class right now. So I, I got to bug out and we can talk later. Terrific. Sounds great, Annie. So the Brook Institute, you, you gave the websites and I will have those in the listings here below. I appreciate you. I appreciate your work. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for reaching out. And, you know, what a gift to your listeners and to what you share in the world. Thank you. Thanks, Annie. Have a great day. Hey everybody, this is Alex. This is Lori. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Porter Notes podcast. This is the wrap-up portion. Oh, so you already did the other thing? Yeah, the other thing is done. The other thing is already done. Yeah, and the interview is done. So, I have to tell everybody. The interview is awesome, by the way. Go ahead. I listened to this person while you were doing research. Mm -hmm. I have not heard the actual interview between the two of you. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much I can interject. There are some anecdotal things that are similar between this interview and interviews that Annie has given in the past. Okay. However, they weren't uh, a conversation with a guy like me. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I'm looking forward to hearing it. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I do have to say, though, to everybody that while we were preparing to do this wrap-up, we were down sitting on our lanai having dinner, and Alex said, let's do an outline, which we hardly ever do. This is true. We just wing it. Usually, yes. And we usually do okay. Mm. But he brings up the subjects, you know, the no-no subjects that nobody's supposed to talk about. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. that, and that's on my interview. Politics. Or on my outline, yeah. Politics. hmm Religion. Mm-hmm sex mm-hmm. and then I said money he didn't even bring up money well I, I scratched three of them out so we're going to talk about one of those things today money <laughs> <laughs> no no but you did mention that we were sitting on the lanai and one of the things I did want to talk about is the Florida rainy season you know it's interesting because it does rain a little bit every day mm-hmm. sometimes not at all but the downpour rains that we experienced when we first moved down we Mm -hmm. haven't had too many of those yet i'm knocking on wood we need the rain obviously Mm -hmm. everybody Mm -hmm. needs rain from time to time but um we haven't really experienced you know the deluge raining well we haven't completed a full year here yet no but we're coming up on that and it's it's summertime officially now it's summertime yeah and everybody back home and other places as well have warned us of how hot it gets. It gets so hot. And actually, Wisconsinites, your weather has been warmer than ours in the past week or two. Yeah, this is true. So we're actually doing pretty good. This is true. I I mean, <laughs> the temperatures across the country are on the rise. You Global know. warming. Well, I mean... 
temperatures, tempers, prices, they're all on the rise. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting because people people have been looking forward to, you know, this summer, I think, more than ever. Uh, down here in Florida, there's been a lot of people who have been able to come back to Florida who hadn't been because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And because of lockdown, this was this last season was the first time that Canadians were able to come back to their homes down here or their vacation spots and they were all very excited to do so and I think that many people across the United States were excited for this summer to be able to get some traveling in and get out because it's been pretty rough over the last couple years getting somewhere and going somewhere Mm -hmm. but now (laughs) gas gas prices ridiculous they're ridiculous crazy and the temperatures are high the gas prices are high the temperatures are high it's rough. Yeah, we were recently, we went to Marco Island to visit our favorite beach over there, and I needed to use the restroom, so we went to the gas station near the beach, and there was a gentleman that was causing quite a ruckus, and they ended up having to call the police, and the thing is, is people, you gotta be nice, because the person behind the counter has nothing to do with the price of gas. Mm-hmm. They can do nothing about it. So taking it out on them is just ridiculous. It it just shows how not great of a human you are. So <laughs> yeah. I was going to say something else, but I'm, I'm not going to go that far. But it, be nice. Come on. I mean, we're all in the same boat. We're all paying the same prices. Mm-hmm. We can't do anything about that. Mm-hmm. We certainly should not be taking it out on the person working the other side of the counter. Mm-hmm. This is true. Well, especially in those situations, the chances that you as a consumer are in a large nationwide, worldwide convenience store chain and you're speaking to anyone who has anything to do with the price of gas is nil zilch yes that guy is paying the same price you are and that guy is uh maybe even making a lot less than you are or gal yes yes i use guy in sort of an amorphic hey guy sort of way don't call me guy hey guy (laughs) don't do it (laughs) So let me guess, of those things that we put on the outline, we're talking about money? Well, no. Actually, I was I was kidding. We're, we're not specifically talking about anything that we talked about for the outline. I was just being um, facetious about that. Okay. But well, I, I'm sorry, but I did put down uh, right here, I put down prices, tempers, and temperatures on the rise. Oh. Yeah. Maybe that needs to be a series of podcasts i don't know that i don't don't want to talk to a meteorologist (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to talk to an economist i don't know you did the spirituality podcast series that went over really well it did go over well it was hard though i have to tell you it was hard and i don't have a production team Mm -hmm. to line things up for me so uh, the way that we're doing things right now is probably maximum of how we're able to do things at this point. Mm-hmm. So money. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> Doesn't it always come back to money? Money, 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 money. Oh, I can't do that because it's probably 
it's probably property of the musician. And then money again. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, while we're on that subject. Sure. Anytime anybody wants to sponsor us. Oh, yeah. There is there is a whole uh, sub page on our actual website devoted to sponsorship and how you, dear listener, can get involved in sponsoring our podcast. I created an entire sub page about that. So if you go to the Porter Notes website, which is porternotes.com, and you go to sponsor, click on that. It's in the upper right-hand corner. That takes you to a page that discusses the levels, the tiers of sponsorship for the Porter Notes podcast. It's set up a lot like Patreon, but we're keeping Patreon out of it. Maybe not a great idea, but I just don't want to have to deal with some form of middleman. Third party. Yeah, yeah. So along that note, I would say that somebody who wants to become a sponsor on different levels would have some say in what we do for interviewing. Absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely no. They have no say. They have absolutely no say. Well, they could suggest. They could. They could suggest. They. They could. Which, uh, which we welcome anyway. Sure, we we welcome suggestions and recommendations. Uh, send us an email, but giving us money does not uh, does not. Um, how can I put this? Give you the power. <laughs> <laughs> giving us money does not mean that you encroach upon our artistic license. Ah, that's what I mean. Well, and we want to. We do want to bring fun different exciting educational things to our listeners oh yeah we're all for that so in order to do that sometimes there are pieces of equipment that are needed or as alex said it's just him and i and he does the bulk of the work i just jump in on the microphone every once in a while yeah but you you bring the fire So he puts in many hours and, you know, the behind the scenes that people don't know about. He does spend a lot of time working on editing, producing, finding people to interview and does homework before he does those interviews. So I'm looking forward to this since I know he did his homework because I was listening in the fringe and... So tell me a little bit. Well, you already the the interviews are already played. So yeah, yeah, the interviews are already played. So people who are listening actually know more about the interview right now than than you do sitting right here. However, you do know a lot about it because I did bounce some of the information off of you prior. So it really didn't stray much from from what was expected. I did learn a lot about Annie as a person. Uh, some things about her that I didn't I didn't really know. I was familiar with the work that she does. I'm familiar with with the Brooke Institute. However, a little bit of her background, which was rather interesting, some of her her experiences growing up and some of the catalysts within her young adult life, which were a bit of a wake up call to her to maybe do some things different with how she was approaching life and from that and meeting people as a result of that and changing her course and the direction of her life she 
found her true passion and she is not only pursuing that or in continued pursuit of that, but she is also introducing other people to this as well. So mm-hmm. it's very interesting. It's I felt it was an interesting interview. So those of you out there listening, uh, I, I'd love your two cents on it. Send me uh, send me an email on it or or a comment or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me know what you think. I, I thought it was it was very. It, it's it's not easy to interview somebody that you don't know. Mm-hmm. In some ways, it, it's it's easier to interview somebody you know. Although sometimes you can kind of tangent off into things that are off topic. Mm-hmm. However, when it is somebody that you don't know very well, you do stick to the topic more. And then when things kind of stray a little bit, it becomes a little bit more of an uh, an adventure in the conversation. Mm-hmm. So it was good. It was hmm. good. So by the time this is out there and those of you, it's it's weird. Time is this weird thing. Mm-hmm. Like right now, here we are. Somewhere in the future, they're hearing me say, here we are, but we're not here, there. <laughs> there, we're somewhere else. And there, you out there who are listening to here are in your here. This so, is like back to the future kind of yes so when you Lori, hear this in our future here you'll have heard that conversation this conversation and we'll have had multiple conversations between now and then this is like who's on first kind of not nearly as funny I, I I'm I'm going to uh, consult the list here and the next thing that I have on the list is that we recently took a trip to the Thomas Edison mm-hmm. and Henry Ford estates. Talk about here, future, here, now, here, past. Yeah, right? That was really interesting. It was. Thomas Edison was way before his time. This mm-hmm. man's ideas are still not implemented to the extent that they should be. Mm-hmm. And if he were still here today, I'm sure he would be totally frustrated by that. But really smart guy. Well, I, I can only go by supposition on this, which is to say that Edison had investors, he had backers, and these were you know important for him to be able to implement the the work that he that he had it was important for him to have people who were investing so that he could spend his time coming up with ideas and trying to you know through scientific research trying to make these things real so in some ways i think if he was around now he would be doing something similarly he would be still working for his investors and still coming up with ideas i think that the playing field was much more open during his time. Obviously, we've had his work to build off of. So that's one of the things that's important about now. He was designing and creating and inventing things that had never been invented. And now people of today, say your Elon Musk, has a basis of Thomas Edison's work in which he can springboard from. So that's one of the, the best things about scientific study or, or books. Let's just use that general term. Somebody could spend their entire life studying something and then you can take a week to read the book about it and gain the same knowledge that it took them a lifetime to mm-hmm. achieve. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. It, and seeing his 
lab was really amazing. I, I really, I still don't know that much about him. I didn't know much before going in there. I mean, obviously what you learn in school and things like that, but I never really took the time to learn more about him. And I was pretty, I was pretty fascinated by all of it. And I guess as you get older, things like that become more interesting. I was never a (laughs) science person in school. And thankfully, I had a good science teacher that liked me because I didn't do well in science. But now I look at it and it's like, man, I wish I would have because it's really interesting. And I... I kind of dig the whole thing. Well, you did touch on something very important that I didn't realize until going to the location and seeing the lab. And that is how Edison was much more of a chemist and a Mm -hmm. scientist than he was an inventor or an engineer. Also a conservationist Mm -hmm. and an environmentalist. I didn't know those things about him at all. And going and seeing the grounds where he had his home, I was amazed by how many different trees did we see? I don't think that we got a number, but uh, well into the hundreds, if not thousands. On just his uh, property. Yeah, different uh, types of... of, From all around the world. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, You know, of course, remember that he did electrocute an elephant and he did try to drive Nikola Tesla crazy and penniless but nonetheless <laughs> an interesting man everybody's got a skeleton somewhere so yes but I mean, he's no walt disney yeah we're not gonna well you know and henry ford too i mean there i again one of these men that i knew a little about but not a lot and mm-hmm. some of what i did know about him i learned more about that and kind of not great (laughs) so sorry for any and yet though they they were some of the greats this country you know as i mentioned earlier they they were a springboard for for many people moving forward there's something about it and again it's it's I, i didn't get to elaborate with uh annie in the interview about this there is something as we all know, there's something greater than us. We all know this. And that greater than us is something that people can, though not everybody does. Many people can. Edison is one of them for certain, and Ford was probably one as well, that they can tap into. It's not like they have the answers. They almost receive the answers from something greater. And Edison was fully aware of this. He spent much time not in relaxation or repose, but he did, we learned that he didn't want to do anything that took away energy from his thought process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that part And of that. that was something that he's not alone in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can take things that are anecdotal. Uh, every, everybody's heard the story about how Einstein had the same clothing. He had, you know, seven different shirts and seven different pairs of pants or whatever the number was but they were all exactly the same because he didn't want to spend time thinking about what he was going to put on for the day it's kind of like today's minimalists they want to minimize their footprint or minimize what they have 
because they want to use their energy in a different way. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and so if you think about it, 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 it isn't that he's smarter than the rest of us, although he's probably smarter than many of us. It was more that he had exercised his mind or was able to open himself up to receiving information in a way that many of us could do but don't Mm -hmm. i think some people are afraid to because you know with with good there's not always just that silver lining piece there's also that well there can be there's also that that scary piece sure so there can be so it, it, it can it can be um a challenge just to overcome that the fear maybe um i want to mention really quick and i don't know if this totally sort of goes along with what we're saying we also were watching a documentary about brian wilson Mm -hmm. and his contribution to music yes being in the beach boys and writing the lion's share of the music for the beach boys he was a man that changed the sound of music because there wasn't that beach surf sound before him. Mm. And he was, he, he didn't have an example to go by. He was creating that example. And another person who he, in the documentary, didn't want to be on stage anymore. He just wanted to create the music kind of from the background. Mm-hmm. And part of that I think they attributed that to fear but I think there could be something more maybe it was just a energy thing he wanted to conserve his energy so that he could continue to create I don't know I'm it's it's very possible I'm it's very possible I I feel you know it's interesting because of course in the late 60s you know uh the Beach Boys and the Beatles were kind of in a a, a, a bit of like a space race mm-hmm. for, uh, y- you know, the most experimental music mm-hmm. at that time in comparison between Sgt. Pepper's and, and Pet Sounds. It, it's long been said that it was drugs or that it was some sort of outside influence that fed their creativity. But it's really hard to say. There's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no set path. There's no set path. I mean, you take somebody like Frank Zappa as an example. He, he was, um, he was straight core. He didn't drink. He didn't do drugs, and he created some amazing, brilliant music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are there are people who who approach music making the same way that a prize fighter approaches a fight. You know, every day you get up and you. You work it every mm-hmm. day. You you do something. You create something and don't plan on keeping it because you're not always going to keep everything that you create, but every day you do something. So, yeah, bringing it back around to Edison then, mm-hmm. very much that type of person. He was f- inventing things or making things that were for the greater good. He didn't just then keep them for himself. And, well, he did patent them and he did make money off of well, them. Well, yes, he did. Yes. Well, so did musicians. So did a lot of people mm-hmm. that create or invent things. And I, I wish I was that smart. 
I I just it blows my mind at the depth of intelligence that these sure. people have and as you said you know we can all tap into that to a certain degree and go further and further mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. well what stops us don't confuse don't confuse creativity and, and intelligence i don't think that those two things necessarily go hand in hand you've met a lot of musicians and you have to admit that not all of them are capable of stringing together a cognitive sentence there's still a higher intelligence, I think. Well, I, I, I don't know that it's a higher intelligence. I, I'm going to have to disagree with you. <laughs> I, think that it's, I think that it's maybe more... I think that they're able to see things differently. They're able to understand something. It, it, look at it this way. It's kind of like people who are able to speak different languages. Mm-hmm. Just because somebody can speak, let's say, a hard language, I understand that, that, uh, that Chinese is a hard language. Or Japanese is a hard language. Latin, or yeah. You know, I mean, those specifically are ones that I've I've heard from people who have mm-hmm. made attempts for years to to learn those languages, and and it it takes some work. That doesn't mean that everybody who speaks Chinese or Japanese or even Latin, as you say, that they're smarter than people who don't. It doesn't mean that. It just means that they are working in something exclusively different than other people. I still think it's another level of intelligence Mm. you're tapping into part of your brain that you're not using for something else i i I can't disagree with that i can't disagree with that i would say that 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 you and i have both seen people who are who who exhibit a talent for some form of art or music and sometimes it comes from a surprising place Mm -hmm. but i i don't know that i would equate that with intelligence I well, don't know I guess that I it would. depends on what your definition of intelligence is then. Yeah, I guess that's true. Because I guess that's true. I have read articles and, and you know, had learned that people that are empathetic and emotional have a higher level of intelligence. Okay. I don't know where does, how, because you can feel somebody else's feelings? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I, I haven't I haven't done the same research. What I can say is, if you are empathetic, maybe what you are is somebody who is able to see things from more than just one direction. A different perspective. Sure. Sure. So so that might lend to it somewhat. You can kind of be in somebody else's shoes and feel and experience what they're going through. So that's some level of mm-hmm. intelligence that maybe not everybody holds. Maybe. But again, I, I gosh, I really I really have a hard time equating that with with intelligence. And maybe that's only because of the fact that you and I are the same age. So we grew up with uh, standardized testing and being able to, um, you, know, you know, what they would do is they would they would have us. Those of you who are listening that that aren't familiar with standardized testing, they have all of the kids in the school take two or three days and they give them a test that was given to the teachers, to the schools for that grade level from the government. And they would determine where the kids are scoring nationwide comparative to all other kids nationwide and determine a median and determine smart kids and determine kids that aren't as smart. And 
it wasn't necessarily about the things that you were studying at that point. It was more so about the things that the government feels that you should know at that point in your school curriculum. And so it was kind of a big deal in so much as the school wants to look good in the standardized test results. But on the other hand, it really didn't make that much difference in terms of your day to day. That said, <laughs> I, I look at, at intelligence as being a little bit more black and white in reading somebody's IQ or reading whether or not somebody's smart. There's a lot of, there's a lot of gray area in terms of, of what someone is capable of doing as, com as compared to their intelligence. Well, here's the definition. Okay. The definition of intelligence. The ability to learn or understand or to deal with new or trying situations. Reason also, the skilled use of reason. The ability to apply knowledge to manipulate one's environment or to think abstractly as measured by objective criteria such as tests. So it does mention the test, but I think it's more than just a number or an IQ. I think there's different levels, and I think that someone who has tapped into, we'll use Edison again, yes, a chemist, a scientist, intelligent in that way, but I think he had intelligence in other ways also. We talked about how he didn't want to use his energy taking a bath. They talked about him not being a clean person. Right. He didn't want to use the energy to take care of himself in that way because he wanted to use all of his brain capacity to research. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, some would look at that person who's not well kept and say they're not an intelligent person. They look like a wild unkept person so therefore they can't be intelligent but we know that that's not the truth in his case maybe maybe we're confusing intelligence and knowledge or intelligence and wisdom maybe well we've gone off on this tangent i know i know well and and i've enjoyed it although who knows how much of this is actually going to make the final product i know right um, we do that sometimes <laughs> but i i think that it i think that uh that it requires a little bit more discussion. Mm -hmm. I feel like I feel like we're maybe both discussing the same thing with a different approach to it. Well, and I think part of that, and I'm not saying that you're not an empathetic person at all, but I know that I am a very empathetic person. And that shows some form of intelligence by being that empathetic person. Okay, where were we at? Two really important dates actually came up recently. And as a matter of fact, they both ended up being the same date this year. Father's Day and your mom's birthday. That's right. Happy birthday to my mom, Margaret Geiger. This is one of those, this is another situation where her birthday's already passed. I so know. we're telling her happy birthday past her birthday mm -hmm. in the future yeah. for her to hear this it's mind-boggling it is my mind is boggled <laughs> it was it was a very nice day and i know that she would want us to thank those of you out there who also are on her social media like facebook 
And those of you who called or sent texts or any other sort of message to wish her a happy birthday. And I believe she had a really nice birthday weekend. Mm -hmm. We had family here visiting, and that was very nice. We had a cake for her and sang to her. And she got to spend the next day just kind of in relaxation and doing the things that she likes to do around the house. And it, it was a rainy day. Mm-hmm. So, as we know, as we mentioned, it's that season. Mm-hmm. But I think that she had a, a very a very good birthday weekend. And then you, for Father's Day, mm-hmm. you, you had a pretty relaxing day. Yes. I don't know if you wanted to do something else, but that's what we ended up doing is just relaxing. No, categorically, I, I, I'm not a big one for doing things just because of that day. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, last year for my birthday, I don't think we did anything at all. I don't recall. And so... I don't think we did because we were in the... I mean, we might have had... We were in the Were we doing a garage sale or something at the <laughs> we time? We could have been, know. right. But, But yeah. we were in the move uh, mindset. I mean, and, and believe me, I'm not taking a martyred path by saying this, but my birthday has never really been that big of a deal for me. It is to me. After... Well, thank you. You know, after adolescence, really, I... That's still a big deal to me. Well, thank you. But I, here. I, you know, I don't do anything to celebrate it. And that's okay. I, I'd much rather oh, just... Oh, that's so not true. Because when we had the coffee shop, it was the week of Alex's birthday. Okay, well, this is true. However, there's a little bit of sales going on there, too. <laughs> so your intelligence kicked in in order to get more money. Back to the money. <laughs> It was a week-long celebration and, and in hopes of, you know, look, we, dear Kettle and Cup customers out there who are listening, we love you, and we wanted you to come in and say happy birthday, and we also wanted you to come in and buy coffee, so come in and say happy birthday. Oh, and by the way, you know, I guess I'll get a coffee while I'm here. Well, it paid the rent for five years. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not, you know. So... That said, yes, it was Father's Day, and it was my mom's birthday, and it was nice. It was a nice weekend, mm-hmm. and we ran around town a little bit and spent time with my cousins, and that was very nice. And, it was. You know, as I mentioned, we had the cake. and we saw we, a lot of dolphins that day, too. We did out at Naples Pier. It was, it was amazing. Yeah, we saw a lot that day, and dolphins are a sign for me. They're just, they're a sign of good and energy and... Yes. prosperity and mm-hmm. they're just they're positive for it, me it was nice because we we had our little group out there and i had given my disclaimer you know we have seen dolphins off of the pier but that doesn't necessarily mean that we'll see any today and then as it turns out they were just all over mm-hmm. frolicking mm-hmm. it was great it was it was it was very nice mm-hmm. you should tell the people out there what you're going to be doing next weekend because i think it's pretty awesome this coming weekend, do you mean? Yes. Like Saturday? Yes. Like I'm going to talk about what's in the future, but by the time people hear this, it will have already happened. Right. It will have, it, well, this is going to be released on Sunday. So the early birds who, who catch this podcast right away, it happened yesterday. <laughs> Those of you who, well, I'll get around to listening. Yeah. It happened some time ago. It happened some time ago. But for us, it's coming up and I'm pretty excited for you. I think it's going to be cool. Well, so we have a bunch of us ladies family and very very close friends extended family we'll say Mm -hmm. um we are going on a 
thrifting bus. That's right. The thrifty bus. And we get to bring our own beverages and some snacks and, Mm -hmm. you know, so there'll be a little bit of that too. But so. And it's not called the thrifty bus because it's, it's cheap. Like you got to get out and push it or something. No, no. It's like a really nice posh bus. You know, bougie bus that yeah. we get to ride on from Naples all the way up to Sarasota and back. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're supposed to be stopping at all of these kind of higher end exclusive thrift stores, mm-hmm. which will also be providing some snacks and things like that. And I right. guess lunch is included. And yes. So we're pretty excited. I don't, a lot of you may not know this of me. I have become a thrift store queen since I've met Alex. <laughs> I love thrift stores. I stop at them often on, on my way own. home. Yes, uh, completely on your own, yes. not like you're coerced. Because you just never know what kind of treasure you're going to find. And instead of buying everything new and just creating a larger footprint, you know, trying to be good to the environment and, you know, minimalism and all that stuff, I love to find things that are unique and are not made anymore. So I'm looking very forward to this and finding what treasures I can, although our house is pretty much furnished. Pretty much full. <laughs> yeah, well, that doesn't go along with minimalism, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's I think, a really cool thing because, yes, you're getting out, you're spending the day with a group of people all the same purpose of having fun right and and making a day of it but yeah i think it's it's a, a really cool idea so those of you out there listening uh, i don't have maybe i can link the website or something i'm not sure and it's not like we're we're being sponsored by this group who's no, doing this but it would be nice <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a really cool idea and if people are looking for something to do elsewhere somebody has the fortitude to whip something like this up i i think you know over the years we've seen some some great things like cookie walks wine walks wine walks and yes we uh beer walk and things like that we've seen some great um little festivals that get people in and out of different places this is i think a, a really cool idea too well it'll be fun because yes there will be people that we know our small little group that's going to be part of this larger group but Obviously, part of the reason for this is, yes, the thrifting and the fun, and mm-hmm. but to meet other people and, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully kind of expand our network of people that we know. So, yes, it's going to be fun. Oh, and you know what we didn't mention? This happened in the past, so we're going to talk about it now, and there's going to be one in the future, but Alex, Florida Rhythm Kings, has had their debut gig and they have several more booked and I had so much fun at the first one because we did have our close little group of Mm -hmm. family and friends but then we also had some neighbors and they had neighbors and Mm -hmm. friends come so we're already kind of doing that expansion and networking and I had a co-worker who came and so it was a lot of fun and it was a great time and we're really excited about the future gigs Mm mm-hmm and if you're listening to this before July 2nd, the Florida Rhythm Kings are playing July 2nd at the Blue Monkey, which is where we had our debut show, mm-hmm. which is uh, off of Collier Boulevard in sort of the northeast corner of Naples. Mm-hmm. It was a great time. Uh, Mike on drums, Brent on bass, and myself, we 
I, I felt we played really well. There mm-hmm. were some, you know, there were some hiccups being the first show, and I expected that. But by and large, there there weren't that many of them. And once you get the first one under your belt, the rest are yeah. a lot easier. It's exciting. I, I'm glad to finally have you back out on stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always man. loved watching you on stage and and. You know, I benefit from it because I love to dance and I love music. So I get to hang out and dance and listen to my husband play some music. And, <laughs> and I got to have family and friends around. It was it was a great night. Yeah, we had a we had a good time. It was a great crowd and everybody really got into it. So it was enjoyable. And, and we are definitely looking forward to the next show. We have actually the place loves us. So we're there twice a month over the next couple of months for sure. And then the season begins in October, and who knows where we're going to be after that. Hopefully a lot of different places. But if you're listening from Florida, those of you out there listening from Florida, come and check us out. Yes. We'd we'd love to have more people there and Mm -hmm. and enjoy enjoy what we do. It's a good time. And also, with season, will be a busier season for Baby Quip. Right now we're kind of at a little bit of a quiet stage, which is welcomed but yeah things are going to pick up and start getting busy and yeah and and that has been that was that was a great shot in the arm over the last season so we're looking forward to this next season and those of you who are listening that are thinking of taking a trip to southwest florida and you have kids uh, don't bring all that crazy stuff Don't bring that crazy baby gear look i already said this in the beginning of course but Uh, I know a lot of people. Give us a call. Look us up. We've got it for you. (laughs) A lot of you aren't traveling right now because of gas prices, and I understand that. But keep in mind that that means a lot of people, other than you, also aren't traveling. So if you want to get the good spot on the beach, or if you want to make sure that you're not standing in line at the amusement park for two hours or more, this is the time to do it. Just as a you know, a little hey, FYI you're thinking about taking a trip um and maybe you have just a little nobody really has extra money but you you might be able to move things around a little bit to be able to do it uh you'd be surprised at how many people aren't traveling right now so it'd be your opportunity to do some of the things that you've wanted to do and not be in a huge group of people doing it. avoid some crowds sure yeah yeah Yeah. What else do you have over on that list? Well, let me tell you. Uh, I do want to mention uh, also, speaking of um, various uh, artistic ventures, uh, those of you out there may remember our good friend Murray the Puppet. Oh, gosh, yes. Murray is on TikTok. Yes. So Who can forget Murray? Nobody can forget Murray. No. And he's not making an appearance here, so it's he's okay. He's unforgettable. He is unforgettable. He's uh, Murray's a bit of a he's jerk. He's uncorrigible. He is uncorrigible. That is a... <laughs> Excellent word for him. Uh, But wander on over to TikTok and look for Murray the Puppet. He's got some videos up there. and That have to stay somewhat clean, just so you guys know. More in like the PG-13 Because we have a granddaughter who knows how to find TikTok, and she loves Grandpa, and she loves Murray because Murray is Grandpa. (laughs) Not the uncorrigible part, but... Well, I can be. Mm, no. no. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah, if you love Murray and you want to see more of Murray, that's a good place to see him. Yes. Is is at TikTok. Look for Murray the Puppet. And speaking of our beautiful granddaughter, she's coming to visit soon. Yes. She'll be here for probably about two weeks. Yes. Maybe a little more. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be 
her first vacation without without her parents. Yes. And this is pretty cool for us. She's really excited. She's got the countdown going. Mm-hmm. And mom is excited but nervous. Yeah. Dad, I think, is both as well. Mm-hmm. And little brother is going to, he doesn't know what's coming, but he, I think he's going to miss her a lot. When I was young, I must have been, because I can remember the age, so I must have been somewhere around five or six, my sister went to camp for two weeks, and I was very lonesome in the beginning. Yeah. Because she and I were very close. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he'll probably, he's a, he's a lot younger than that, of course, but he'll he'll probably be lonesome in the beginning, but mm-hmm. then, you know, he'll, he'll realize that he's going to have a lot of, you know, one-on-one time with mom and dad, and mm-hmm. that'll be special for him. And then, you know, it'll turn into excitement of when she's going to come back home. Right. Now, she has spent the last two plus years having to share the spotlight with her brother. So the opportunity to have some time with us, just her, is very exciting for yes. her, I'm sure. Yeah. It's very exciting. I am looking very forward to it. We have some cool stuff planned. Mm-hmm. We're going to go see mermaids, real live mermaids. Yeah, that's the plan. Yes. Mm-hmm. We'll touch on that when in the future. Yeah. After it's happened. Yeah. And it's in the past. It might have already happened, depending on where you're listening, where you are listening to this. <laughs> this is the theme of today's wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> but this also, what precipitates this is you're going to be taking a trip back to Wisconsin for a few days yes. to pick her up. Yes. Around the the fourth. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is a beautiful time to be in Wisconsin. Yes. You know, early July is just gorgeous. I'm kind of sad that I'm going to miss the 4th of July celebrations that they have down here, but Mm -hmm. I'll get to see them another year. Um, Spending the time with her and and getting to spend the time with all of them up in Wisconsin for a few days is well worth the wait to see celebrations down here another time. Yeah, this is true. I'm glad that you're going back to to physically accompany Kristen on the way down here Mm -hmm. because... No way is she going to come down on a plane by herself. Right. Being her first flight without her parents, it's it's good that it's you that's that's doing that with her. Yeah. You know, but I do miss you when you're gone. Yeah. I I miss you. Those people with whom I I do connect while uh, on a regular basis, they'll tell you that uh, my routine is totally screwed. Like (laughs) I don't eat right. I don't sleep right. You know, as it is, I, I... I only sleep on one side of the bed. You would think, you know, somebody would be able to stretch out on the whole bed and just lay on the bed like a starfish, but I still kind of scooch over <laughs> to the side like I normally do. And then I don't get a regular bedtime either. Mm-hmm. But this time you're only gone for a few days. Mm-hmm. So that'll be nice. Yes. But when you come back with her, I'm moving to the guest room. I, she's already discussed this with you, yeah. that your side of the bed is hers. Yeah. Yeah, I'm moving to the guest room because I, I, you know, she's come to visit before and a couple days here, a couple days there, whatever. But I can't do more than two weeks like this. With, she's with, a bed hog. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. So I'm actually going to be sleeping in the guest room. I'm sorry about that. I can't, I'm kind of not. <laughs> what? Well, the only reason why I say that is because. She, she won't sleep in the guest room. Well, She's no. going to sleep in our bed. <laughs> exactly. But she also doesn't beat up on you in the night like she does me. No. So um, though I am sad to be sleeping all by myself, 
Um, I'm not so sad though that you know it's it's gonna be some restful sleep <laughs> compared to what it could be. Well, you know, you're right. She doesn't really wrestle with me in in the bed like she does with you, and I think part of that is she I. I get very warm. I, I'm in the season of my life where I have tropical storms happen often. <laughs> and uh, she also is a little hot box. So the two of us kind of separate from each other or we get way too hot. And so I, I, I think her and I are going to sleep just fine. <laughs> and I am too. <laughs> um, well, the, I'm, I'm about to uh, embark upon my last uh, outline touch point here. I do want to say one thing, though. Okay. So this morning, something came up in my feed on Facebook, and I really liked it, so I shared it. And I've had a couple of other people that have shared it since. And let me see. I don't think there's an author on it. But I have different sites that I like to follow, and some of them have to do with meditation and this one is called um, Understanding Compassion is okay. the site. Okay. And I put this up and I, there sometimes there's things that pop up that are just so good that you have to share them. And this was, a great attitude becomes a great mood, which becomes a great day, which becomes a great year, which becomes a great life. I can't say anything better than that. Oh, that's, that's pretty sweet. It is. It's good. It's good stuff. Yeah. And where did you say you got that from? Um, the site. It was on Facebook. Understanding Compassion. Hmm. How interesting. Mm-hmm. How interesting. I don't have a lot of negativity on my page. I try to eliminate it as soon as I see something that might be negative. Mm-hmm. Because I just don't want to put that out in the world, and I don't want it to perpetuate. So I do follow quite a few th- things that have to do with positivity, you know, good vibes and good energy and things like that. And so once in a while, something pops up that's really thought provoking and, Mm -hmm. and positive. And I like to put that out there. Well, that's great. Well, I guess, you know, those of you out there listening, uh, if you're meditating, keep meditating. If you're doing yoga, you know, keep, keep stretching. Mm-hmm. You know, keep uh, making those connections. Mm-hmm. Keep making those connections among all well, of us. And we're not eliminating anybody, but, you know, somebody who goes to church or prays and does devotionals, keep doing them. If that's what works for you, do them. Yeah. I mean, if if that's how you connect with other people, if that's how you connect with the universe, if that's how you connect with your God, our God, then... I'm all for it. Well, and if if you don't have those connections of those kind at all, that's okay, too. I'm Mm -hmm. not eliminating anybody. I I know people who they look for other things to bring them happiness and peace. And some it can be education. Some it can be, you know, helping people. Some it can be volunteering. Those are all great things. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm not eliminating anyone. So if I didn't touch on your thing, it's okay. You can comment and we can touch on it next time. In the future. When you might be listening to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, until next time, I just want to remind everybody 
that they can always go to our website, porternotes.com, and that's how you can learn about all the other different ventures that we have, artistic and otherwise. You can always go to the Porter Notes Facebook page to see what's going on as well. And I feel like maybe we need to be a little bit more involved in terms of, like connecting with people via those pages so I'm going to try and step that up a little bit too mm-hmm. uh, both of which are kind of landing pages for what's happening but there's a lot that happens in between that maybe you know it can help to open up some communication back and forth between us and, and our listeners so mm-hmm. so keep an eye on that we'll hopefully have some changes coming up here really soon uh, I'd really love to do a Wisco Veggie Foodie episode coming up here soon so we'll I've start to compile some things for that so yeah. so stay tuned for that coming I've up been lax on that I need to get better but we've also been very diligent at eating at home <laughs> <laughs> well this is true but I, I the feel gas like prices have driven us to not eat out as much <laughs> this is true but I feel like over the last uh, almost year that we've been in, in Florida we we've definitely been able to amass some information about the area that we're in mm-hmm. and so we could definitely talk about some of that stuff I think that we can probably put together some show notes and and work something out maybe if not this next episode uh maybe the one after that but Mm -hmm. it it would be good to to uh check in with people as far as that stuff is concerned too sure so well uh, until next time this is Alex this is Lori and we'll talk to you soon bye Thank you.